0: Hello, and welcome to the LT in the City podcast, your monthly dose of motivation, inspiration, and more. I'm your host, L'Oreal Thompson-Payton. On this show, we're all about leaving perfection at the door and showing up as our full authentic selves. You'll hear from me, along with some special guests about everything from life and love to work and wellness. So get cozy because we're going to get into it. Hello, and welcome to the season finale of the LT in the City podcast. I know I can hardly believe we're here as well. First, I want to thank you all for joining me on this experimental audio journey. For years, I have toyed with the idea of launching a podcast, and here we are, eight episodes in. I want to thank you for tuning in, for sending feedback, and for sharing with your friends. I'm excited to return in 2024 with all new episodes, and I would love to get your input. So make sure you subscribe to my newsletter at ltinthecity.com to participate in my listener survey. And also make sure you pre-order my forthcoming book, Stop Waiting for Perfect, Step Out of Your Comfort Zone and Into Your Power. The official release date is August 15th, and I have a host of events, both virtual and in person. So be on the lookout for those. Now, for this month's episode and the final interview of our three-part hashtag SoftGirl Summer Series, today's guest is Eva Maria Lewis, founder and executive director of Free Root Operation here in Chicago. As such, she works to intercept poverty-induced gun violence in her city through community-centered innovation with a special intention toward the wellness and empowerment of Black women. I first had the pleasure of meeting Eva Maria when she was 16 back when I worked at Girl Scouts, and I can tell you she was a force even back then. One of my favorite memories is chaperoning her to speak the United Nations in New York. When I tell y'all Eva Maria is phenomenal, I mean it. A graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, she uses her studies as a sociologist to bring life to the communal wisdom and needs that lie in disenfranchised communities, disseminating the information through fresh, unique, and accessible methods. Overall, she's committed to living this life in freedom and hopes to equip others to do the same. Without further ado, here's Eva Maria Lewis. Well, welcome Eva Maria Lewis to the podcast. How are you?
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I am... Swell, I wish the sky looked better and that the air was cleaner.
0: Don't we all listen, y'all? Global warming is real, climate change is real. And I feel like at this point, low-key, like Earth is trying to get rid of us. She's just like, Y'all gotta go. You gotta get up out of here. You've just run it all into the ground. (laughs) That's real. Yeah. Humans can't be trusted with it. This is why we can't have nice things.
1: This is really why we can't have nice things.
0: Just so rude. But anyway either here or there. You are someone that I have followed and admired for so long, even though I think on the outside looking in, it's probably this like mentee mentor relationship. But the honest truth is I've learned so much from you and I think you're amazing. So can you share, you have such an incredible story as well that honestly, I could just hand over the like rest of the time to you to tell us about all of the amazing things you do, but would love to start a bit with your background and then tell us, how um, Free Root Operation came about, because I know that that has a wonderful origin and evolution story as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> I'll start where, we, where we're at right now. So mm-hmm. I am the founder and executive director of Free Roots Operation, which is a nonprofit combating poverty-induced gun violence by investing in Black women and their families. In particular, our main demographic is black single mothers Mm -hmm. and we run this program called Bloom, which is a six month revolutionary wellness program, investing in black women through self care, nourishment and transformation. And we have a curriculum that is experiential and educational and we take them all over the place like Broadway shows and let's go to the apple orchard and let's learn about skincare. And they also have to do homework. (laughs) And they also get 10 hours of free counseling Mm. as well. And then in order to graduate from the program, they all have to set and attain a goal of their own choosing. How did we get here? So I like to say that Bloom is kind of like where my purpose became evident, Mm. but I've actually done human rights and community work since I was 16 years old and so i am from the south shore neighborhood south side of chicago born and raised you know what it is i had to go to dominant high school and i had to wake up every day at like five o'clock in the morning just to get there by eight o'clock and i was tired and over time i got frustrated probably because i was considered a gifted kid and up until that point i mean I was always regarded as such. Maybe it was because I was in mostly Black spaces or in spaces that at least semi-valued Black people. And when I went to high school, I felt like a lot of people made assumptions about me, Mm -hmm. especially because I was coming into my voice. I was becoming more outspoken. My mom always says, you were always a great speaker, but you were shy. And at this point in time, I started to bridge some of the gifts that I'd had into the forefront. And at a certain point, I was just like, How is it that you all don't understand differences in the city? We're all coming from different places. And I began what would become fro later on and You were there. I spoke at the United Nations. Yes.
0: (laughs) You were amazing. (laughs) A
1: lot started to happen because I started to speak out, and I guess people wanted to hear what I had to say because of my experience and also because I'd been blessed to not be on the school to prison pipeline but instead be on the school to college pipeline, being from an impoverished community while also dealing with poverty myself and being raised by a single black mom. Over time, I've had opportunities to speak and advocate and we have I have looped other people into a myriad of projects. Through PIN, we created the first community needs and assets assessment for South Shore. I use my education at UPenn to do that. I've consistently championed black girls mm-hmm. more so and now branching out into black women, period, because If it wasn't for me being raised by a Black single mom, I wouldn't understand the brilliance of Black single motherhood and everyone should understand that brilliance. And so, yeah, like it's been a time. It's been a wild ride, but I'm definitely blessed and grateful.
0: Yes. And so in awe just of everything because you bring such authenticity to everything that you're doing, courageous vulnerability as well, radical self-care, like all of these things. And so it's been really fun for me to watch, you know, like outside looking in like, yeah, you go, you do it. And with all of that, because it is a lot of work, and the theme for the summer is soft girl summer, talking about what it means to live a soft life as a Black woman. How do you, as a founder, an executive director, an artist, an activist, make time for yourself and pour into yourself? How are you living a soft life?
1: I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> and I'll, be, I'll be 100% for real. I definitely don't take care of myself as much as I should. And I'm realizing that more and more as time goes on. But I think what matters is that I am committed. And I don't think a lot of Black women are taking care of themselves. Society has not allowed us to. Generational curses have not allowed us to. Systemic heartbreak, anger, and pain. And neglect has not allowed us to. And so um, as a result, we don't get to hand a baton to each other and say, hey, this is how you take care of yourself. You can tell me how you are learning to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself. Yes. There's no blueprint because in the same way that there is no blueprint for liberation and freedom, there is no blueprint for us to care for ourselves because black women caring for themselves is the antithesis of what this country has been built on. And so we are literally writing a blueprint for self actualization and power. And so I'm committed to doing better. I'm literally in my, Time is not a real stage right now where I'm like, if you have to take a break, take a break. I got really stressed out a couple of weeks ago. And one of my board members, I told her, I was like, I need like six months to just do nothing. And she was like, understanding where you're at right now is it possible that you could take little breaks and my response was no because that's not going to be enough and she said something that really dragged me through the mud but it was also like (laughs) i needed it she was like i have literally watched you work for an hour and seeing you accomplish miraculous things what if you applied that same rhetoric to your self-care And that really got me. And I was like, I have to, I'm still meditating on that. Seriously. Yeah. such a deep thing to say.
0: And Leslie Russell said that y'all got to cite Black woman. Hello. That's <laughs> the brain. I knew it was a Black woman. As soon as you said it, I was just like, yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's how we love on each other. We have to drop those truth bombs, you know?
1: But yeah, I think. So I, I'm really like unpacking in real time.
0: And mm-hmm. I'm also unpacking a lot by helping the
1: women that I serve to my organization too.
0: Yeah which is such a beautiful gift to be able to give to them. Because if you said historically, and it's very coincidental, of course, we're meeting on the day of the Supreme court decision about affirmative action. And Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a whole, a whole nother episode <laughs> with that. And this
1: what a glitch in the matrix.
0: I have no idea. It's just like every summer, are they going to do some kind of like, no, like part of my French? I don't know. Is
1: there a repeal human rights rollout? Like, there's gotta be. Like, yeah. what's an album coming.
0: I, girl, it's, I don't want now it.
1: Another single.
0: I don't want it. Just.
1: And they threw us off, too, by not repealing the Indian Child Welfare Act,
0: which was a win. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, pew, affirmative action, gone. Huh?
0: Yeah. A little yeah. bait and switch, just. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We'll recenter and reframe because there's so much shit going on. And I am curious for you, what are things that are bringing you joy, especially you know we're here in summertime to shy, even though like the sun is non-existent at the moment. but like what are the moments to you know, the board members' point about like finding those those times, like what's bringing you joy these days?
1: showers with no time limit Ooh. love those succession i'm late i'm really late but <laughs> bringing me a lot of joy finding time to spend time with my loved ones mm-hmm. and also clinging on to the fact that i might not be loved widely but i'm loved deeply and i would take mm. that day.
0: that's a word mm-hmm. that's a whole word
1: making space for gratitude And also, just like creating silver linings, I'm such a silver linings person, Mm -hmm. and so just finding things to look forward to. Seriously, yeah. I think one thing that a lot of us need to do more often is not be afraid to like what you like. Uh, We have all guilty pleasures, and we're all get you know this is like clout mindset. Oh, that's do you like if you want to watch bridgerton me watch you some bridgerton if you want to watch it three times me watch it three times <laughs> <laughs> do what you need to do do to, like, you live and dream and love like
0: yeah i love that because i even feel like the guilty pleasures don't need to be guilty like i love me some real housewives potomac and atlanta for the record because listen i only watched the black ones started because
1: yeah potomac and me We are we are in it. I just finished the Nicki Minaj
0: reunion. Oh, that was a time.
1: (laughs) It was.
0: Yeah, this season of Atlanta is a little slow going for me. Honestly, it all kind of went downhill once Nene left. Like they just
1: after Nene left. And then I love Portia.
0: Yeah, it hasn't been the same. It doesn't hit the same. But it's it's mess. And I'm a Scorpio. You're a Scorpio. I love mess. So. I love that for us because I know Scorpios get a bad rep, but we're amazing. I'm great. Yeah. It's everyone else. but. <laughs> <laughs> But something I also admire about you is your seemingly effortless way of blending art and activism. It has been a part of you since I've known you. I would dare to say it's been part of you since you were before I met you as well. So how does that like how did the two influence each other? And of course, you know, I want to talk about your music as well uh, in my home, Our Glory. So take it away.
1: So I would definitely say like they look a lot different for me now than they did when I was younger. Like when I was younger, I was just very like, the only way I couldn't describe it is rah-rah. Like, <laughs> but that's what I was. And I wanted to write about these social political things. And I, I was also like moving from a place of rage too in my work and in my understanding of things, which was very righteous. I'm not mm-hmm. even gonna talk that. But I feel like now in what I'm writing, I'm writing for me. Like, I'm really not writing anything for anyone else. I'm writing what I need to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm writing my experiences, like whether that be joy or heartache, I'm putting it on paper. And one, I will say that my ability to do that and pursuit of that isn't inherently radical. It isn't inherently activism because I'm pinning my narrative. Mm-hmm. Any more of that, we need more of our narratives and representation for us. Ultimately, I would say it's like, Rightfully so, a lot of our people are tired of hearing about our subjugation because we have to live it, and that's depressing. (laughs) And so I think activism through art can be very powerful in reaching people in ways that feel accessible and that allow for other people to ponder and also submit calls for justice and action into the culture. Because oftentimes, things that are presented as political feel dissonant to the culture. And so I think that's why activism through art matters so much to me. And you mentioned my little songy song. Yes. I put yes. Out a so I dropped my first single as a Maria Machetti, which is my artist name, because I have this theory called the work of the Machete, which is our ability to keep things that have worked for us over time for our ancestors and tear things down that no longer work and in this place build something new as our ancestors did both willingly and unwillingly with machetes and creating harvest to reap. And so my artist name is Maria Machete because uh, so my middle name is Maria and then, you know machetes work. So love it. <laughs> my song is called My Home Glory and it's really just it's a love letter to where I came from twice as hard to come this far. Maneuver through pressure to set a standard in my place as a star. me it's a big to make it here from when i when I was in college I was told that I was going to fail unless I gave up on my mother unless I mm-hmm. gave up on my community and I was actually like academically penalized for a sec for making decisions that were not rooted in giving up on where I came from because they said the, the best thing I could do is give up, move forward. And whenever I get like my first meal or whatever, then you can go back. I was like, no. And God is good and and really showed me that I made the right decisions by blessing me all these different ways. Like getting the re human right to work before I could even graduate college and having that sort of resource aligned up for me. So it was like God was showing me that. I was moving the right way and God is also a God of justice. So I was doing right by who I was service to. And I was about to graduate. I walked last year, last May, on my mom's birthday, I got to graduate. I didn't know it was her birthday too.
0: That's exciting. Yeah.
1: And so I got to walk and I wrote this song beforehand. I was just like, I have gone through so much And it is not the institutions that I have been able to attend have built me up. It is the people that were on my block, my community. And that's also a reckoning that really occurred for me during COVID because since I was five, I called myself in my TED Talk a refugee from my community because I always had to go elsewhere in order to receive resources that were not available in my community. Like a good education because my family, they noticed that I was gifted. So I always had to leave South Shore to get a good education. And when COVID hit for the first time, I was stuck in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I got to pause. I couldn't leave. And that grew into I didn't want to leave. It grew Mm -hmm. into not just advocating because things are not just, but advocating out of a pure love for the people that are around me and that have built me up. And that is really the root of my home, my glory. It's like there's so much light and love here. And when we can move past the trauma that some of us have endured in our communities, we can really see like we got the magic, we got all of it. That's why they're trying to be like us, that's why they're trying to copy us. And yeah, that's what I was saying. So it's really a call to action for folks to reassess their relationships to where they come from because we have the power. And if we all invest our magic into where we come from, then we can truly heal and be next level.
0: It's so good too. It's just, it's a really good summer song. I feel like it has a nice vibe and something I'm curious because you are such a powerhouse and have done incredible things. I mean, you've even met our forever first lady, Michelle Obama, and have done so much amazing work on your own. What is it that you would go back and tell 16 year old you? Oh my God. About what's to come and how to prepare for it. A
1: lot. Oh my God, I have so many words, some of which I would not be saying on this here podcast. <laughs> no, it's really like, if I could do anything, like the number one thing I would tell 16 year old me is to, okay, it's a couple things. One, I would tell 16 year old me that God does hear her and to trust God. And I will also tell 16 year old me to really think about who I am. Because I think one thing that I did when I was 16 was, It was easy for me, especially as I started to get this accolade and that accolade to start to morph into what other people were saying was right for me Mm. to not really have the time to think about who I am and who, what identities I wanted to hold even like, it was really deep. Yeah. (laughs) I was so out of touch with even the inner girl in me. So I would just tell her like, it's okay. And this is the same thing I tell people now, like there's no one way to be a black girl. Yes. There are so many ways for us to be us actually infinite because there are infinite numbers of us Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And there's, it's okay to be a late bloomer. It's okay to be on time. Don't compare yourself. You got it. And when things are meant to line up, they will line up and they will line up beautifully. And I always talk to little Eva, Mm -hmm. We, we are now in constant communication. And she is healing in real time.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah, something we all need to do. I include actually in my book a picture of Little L'Oreal because that's who I'm writing for. That's who I'm trying to nurture and love and just all of those things that you said. And that especially that there's no one way to be Black because it's growing up especially was just like, I would get bullied, um, you know, for talking white and liking NSYNC and Britney Spears. And it was just like, and now I know in large part, thanks to social media, that there's others of us out there. But I didn't know that back in the 99 and 2000s, reading my little teen magazines in my bedroom, you know, like I didn't know the world was very small then. And so it's great that 16 year olds now have you to look up to and others of us who are doing a lot of that inner work to heal that inner child and just make it better for everyone, but I feel like especially those who are coming up after us is like a large part of why I do what I do. And I feel like is, you know, the same for you as well. And since we went to the past, going ahead to the future, Uh-oh. I'm trying to do math and figure out like <laughs> what 16 years from now is like, but I'll be like 40. Yes. Yeah. So what do you want to tell 40 year old Eva?
1: Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, you better have your bed, your boat, your house, your car, and your beach. Yes. live softly. That's it. I have not, no advice for her. I hope she has some advice for me, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: she will. Mm-hmm. And you'll have all the things. She'll be reporting live from your beach and be like, hey, girl. What's <laughs> <what I
1: made?" laughs> Maybe I'm getting a little message from her now. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe that's where some of this, these little reckonings are coming from.
0: I love it. I, it's all, it's kind of like, I don't know if you're into Marvel as well. I'm not that much even, but Jeff is. So I watch some of the shows and those, like all the timelines and everything. No, what is it called? The one with like the low key show. What was it? Um, you saw, Multiverse, right? Yes. Yeah. We're getting messages from the past, present, okay. wow. future, and beyond. Anything that I didn't ask that you think is important to mention and you want our listeners to know about you? Well... I would say
1: we can talk about if you want to talk about Fro.
0: Yes, of course, always, especially the name. I remember that from a previous interview that you talked. It was a very beautiful story with your grandfather and just like our roots and oh, yeah, everything so, like that.
1: I, I needed a name for what was becoming Fro because the previous iteration of Fro operation was it was it was no longer needed. It was ready to like go into cocoon and become something more. Mm-hmm. And it took so long. I kept asking people for suggestions. Like, not everybody was coming up cold, but just dry. I eventually came up with free roots operation because there was a tree in my backyard with these big roots, like so big you could step on them. They're coming out, you know, into the grass. And I just kept thinking root. And I was just thinking about like people having roots and people being able to just be grounded and be free flowing and. I ran into a scripture, Psalms chapter one, verse three, that talks about this tree whose roots always touch water. So it always has what it needs. And that's God's promise to us as people that are in his kingdom. And I I found out a year later that that was my grandfather's favorite verse. My grandfather was the only father figure I had. And he passed away from cancer in 2016. So he didn't even get to see me do anything. I was actually so mad. I was like, dang. He missed everything. Like we had, we were talking about the dreams. We had the goals. I'm like, but he sees it in that spirit. Mm-hmm. He's watching. He in spirit. When I found that out, I knew I was in the right path. And I was also making my ancestors proud. Not just stop my ancestors too. Bloom is kind of like this sister analogy to that. Yeah. It's talking about black women blooming. And I always tell the woman at orientation we are not here to teach you how to live and how to be free. We are here to unearth the gifts that are already in you because we know it's there. They're just dormant.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: what does it look like for us to find them and allow for them to bloom so that you may bloom? And then also your families can bloom because we believe that this program is a solution to gun violence because of the exponential impact that Black single mothers will have. In 2021, there were about 4.21. Black single mothers in the US, which was 10% of all black women that were in the country, period. And so, thinking about how we always center black men and narratives around violence and the state of our community, which I'm not knocking, but right. we can't ignore the role of these mothers, especially when their children are accused of being the number one perpetrator of firearm homicide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We believe that this type of program will have exponential power. And it'll just grow and grow, not just to other Black women, but to their kids. And hopefully we'll be able to create some sort of equity in our communities and truly start to heal. But um, one thing that I have learned from leading a program like Bloom is just that further consecrating this idea that we always know what we need and that there is truly so much here. And also that Black women have got to be like, the most magical multifaceted people ever, because how can you survive so much and still be so freaking dope and be able to extend yourself to other people and other causes? And then another thing that I have learned is that we are doing ourselves a complete disservice by continuing to sacrifice because so many of our older women now are struggling with health issues and I've, I've had actually several conversations in the last month with women, not even constituents, just black women because people be finding me and talking so many conversations with older black women who are dealing with serious health issues, who are telling me like, as a warning calls, I was like, yeah, listen, don't do this. Don't yourself to these people, places things that are going to distract you and destruct you and take from you and take from you and never pour back in. And I think that's, a, that's a point of, um, i learning that we seriously have to invest in mm-hmm. for ourselves. And which is why I say I'm not taking care of myself. I, I think I, I thought I was, but I'm realizing I'm not. And I'm committed to doing better because I do not. I want to live a long, abundant life. That's not right, right. I want to do better than the people who came before me were able to do. And in order to do that, I need to take care of myself for real, for real, like for real. Not Instagram infographic. Take it. Right. No, for real. You need to take care of yourself too, L'Oreal. And we I all know. need to take care of ourselves because we deserve the whole world and we can't get the world if we end up bedridden. So
0: Yeah, we do. We do. And I joke, Sometimes now, because beforehand, before becoming a mother and, you know, they have on the lights, you know, to put your own oxygen mask on first. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't you? And now as a mother, I understand. And because they go by row by row and they look the moms in the eye and they're like, make sure you put your mask on first. And I'm just like, yes, thank you for that reminder, because my instinct is to give and to protect and to nurture at all costs, even at my own expense. That's the default that I have like ingrained that society has, you know, like pushed on us and everything like that, that I have internalized. And so it's um, unlearning for me, 35 years of perfectionism, of showing up and doing the most, working twice as hard to get half as much. And it's like uncoupling my worth with my work and it is work in and of itself, like that kind of reckoning and it's hard. It's really hard.
1: Yeah. I saw a tweet today and um, somebody said that they felt like after they really reached a point in their healing journey, their ambition decreased. Yeah. And that was so interesting to me because I'm like, what do you mean? But when you think about it, it's like, we think that our worth is tied to our output It's tied to what other people think of us Mm -hmm. and just quantifiable things. But at the end of the day, it's like, how are you waking up? How are you going to bed? Like, where's your head and your heart at? Mm -hmm. And also legacy. And I feel like we as a people, we think about legacy in terms of as a society, we've just gone through so many traumas. We're thinking about clothing, finances, like just getting
0: things set up. But legacy is is about better, like holistically better. Great. I think about that so often in terms of like, what legacy am I leaving Violet? And I want to be for her, for myself. And then she will see it as well, like a role model of rest. Like she, (laughs) I'll do yoga and she, you know, comes up beside me or like I'm a downward dog and she's up under me and just like a, It's not a perfect practice, but it's not supposed to be. But she's seeing me as a Black woman take care of myself. And that's important for me to normalize that, to have that be an everyday occurrence so that it's not like this whole big thing or something you reserve or you work toward and you treat yourself to this Self care, like no, this is something that we need to make a daily part of our routine. It needs to be ingrained in us and what we do. Um, so she's a very good accountability partner in that way. She doesn't know it, but when I look at her, it's just like, okay, what do I want her to? What do I want her to see? What do I want her to learn and make of that, um, so that she can make her own decisions that are hopefully a lot healthier than the unhealthy ones that I have grown up and have performed for so long.
1: Right. I think it's so beautiful that you use the word reserve because I feel like at least with some of the people that I talk to, people set these standards to teach later and not show. Two things you said, actually. The the first one being that. It's like the best thing we could probably do. And I have two little cousins that are kind of like nieces for me. Mm -hmm. They're six and ten. And truly, the best thing you can do is show people, show girls what it looks like to live fully. Because the teaching is the same as in school. It's like you can just tell somebody something anytime, but it never has the same effect. So it's beautiful that you set a new standard of learning. And then the second thing you said with reserving is like, I feel like I do that thing where I will like have a nugget. And I'll wait and wait and wait and wait and push off and not do that thing that I need to take care of myself, thinking I have to earn it too. Mm-hmm. That's real. It's just something that I need to unpack. But also, I'm thinking about how self care isn't even always the things that people can write in a list. It's, it can be very personal to you. And I also, it should be constant. Mm-hmm. I would, I would love to explore what that looks like to constantly be in that zone of caring for yourself and not having to allocate a couple hours a day, but you're just like the entire time you feel cared for.
0: Yeah, to live into it. Like that's the, I look at, um. Trisha Hersey at the Nat Ministry, I feel like is someone, of course, from what we can see. You know, we don't know the whole story and everything, but at least like outwardly, it seems to be someone who is doing that. And so it is like that's goals. <laughs> I want to be at a place where I can live that each and every day, and so it doesn't become this like special thing that we do sometimes, but rather it's a part of the everyday, part of our DNA, part of our legacy, and all of that stuff. And it is, and it will be it'll continue to be and we're it's shifting I feel like we're saying like you said from the older black women who are warning us of what the stress and everything can do not just to your mental health but your physical health as well and so I'm you know for a believer like Maya Angelou said when you know better you do better and we're doing better and we will continue to do better it won't be easy but we got this we can do hard things we've done hard things <laughs> the fact that it's more of us doing better that's creating a village
1: where you're not alone like The women that came before us that had to kind of figure it out and they were always deemed like black sheep for doing these things. We get to have the support in this journey that they did. not We get to create true sisterhood because we're starting to understand that we as a whole, as a collective deserve better. And it's going to take all of us and it's going to take infrastructures that will allow for us to keep up that practice. Amen. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the LT in the city podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to share it with a friend and ask them to check it out too. Resources and links from today's episode are available over on the show notes. And as always, you can find me on social media at LT in the city. Thanks again for tuning in. This is the LT in the city podcast and I'm L'Oreal Thompson-Payton. Until next time.